Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com slash DSO. That's betterhelp.com slash DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dad Starting Over podcast. And before we get started with today's episode, I want to get a couple of pieces of business out of the way. First of all, I write and sell books. You can find my books at dadstartingover.com slash books. You can also find my books at any of the major retailers online at amazon.com, Audible, Awesound, Barnes & Noble, and Apple Books. Look for my books titled The Dead Bedroom Fix, which is my bestseller. Now What? A Guide for Men Starting Over in Life After Infidelity, Breakup, and Divorce, as well as my book Red Flags. Lastly, I have started a members-only site to my website called the DSO Fraternity. At the DSO Fraternity, we have live member meetings, access to all of my books at no additional charge in both PDF and audiobook format. We also have Facebook discussion groups for members only. And lastly, articles and audio for members only that you are free to discuss on the website. Check out the DSO Fraternity at dadstartingover.com slash join. And now on to today's episode. All right, so Nick, tell me, you're an interesting story. Let's say, how did you find the world of dad starting over? Right, so I've been married for 15 years now, um, and my marriage is is pretty good. You know, we'll get into it a little bit, the dead bedroom stuff, but I've been, you know, I'm, I guess we'll also get into this. I'm a, I'm a psychiatrist. And cool. so for, for those who don't know the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist, the psychiatrist prescribes medications. Um, we also get training in psychotherapy, but really we specialize yeah. in, you know, prescribing medications and kind of doing the treatment plans. My wife, um, my so, wife is an MD, so I'm somewhat familiar with your world. You guys go to, you're full blown medical doctors. You went to medical school and then you do residency. And I assume maybe you did some kind of fellowship as well, just like every other MD that I know. Right. So we do that. We go to, we go to medical school and then we do residency and decide we don't want to take call or work on the weekends. So <laughs> we go into psychiatry. Um, no, you know, psychiatry has always been really interesting to me. Mental health has been interesting to me. So yeah. it's been a, it's been a good fit for me. Do but, you, do you, know, you ad, as, uh, I'm sorry, do you adhere to a certain type of, uh, you know, there are Freudian psychologists, Jungian psychologists and stuff. Do you put yourself in one of those categories? Um, not, not really. I'm more eclectic. And if, you know, maybe those listeners who have some background with this, I'm, I actually did some psychoanalytic training when I was in residency, which means I went and got my own therapy and laid down on the couch a Very few times cool. a week. Very cool. Um, and, yeah. 
and in that vein, I'm a little bit more of a self-psychologist like uh, Heinz Kohut is kind of the, I the see. father okay. of that. So. Yeah, very cool. Well, anyway, go on. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I, I guess the background's important for this part of the story because, you know, I've been, you know, I'm, you know, a little bit of a nice guy trying to fix things. And there's always been some, some things in the marriage that we can improve on. So I've read tons of books being a psychiatrist. I'm like, someone must have figured this out. I've just <laughs> got to find... I've just got to find the the recipe. I got to find, you know, the uh, angle on this. And so, you know, I read book after book, implemented all of the things, you know, and nothing really changed. Um, and then I came across your book. Um, I guess it was in March. Um, just, you know, bouncing around Amazon. I'm always reading different books. And I saw it, the the cover. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. And I, I, I think I read it first. And then I also got the audible. Um, and I, I think I read it in one sitting. I was like, holy crap, this, this is, this is me. And this is, this is what I need to try to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, when things would come up in the marriage, I would just like go for a walk and listen to the book and try to get myself in the right mindset. Um, but it's hard to kind of make big changes off of a book. And so, you know, I've been listening to the podcast and now I've joined the, the fraternity and I feel like, and I've done a coaching session with Jack and I feel like now I'm kind of getting into it a little bit deeper. Oh, good, um, good. And, you know, I got a lot of work to do, so I'm, I'm not coming on here. I've listened to some of your other podcasts. I'm not coming on here as a success story by any yeah. means, <laughs> but just kind of scratching the surface and getting going with this. Well, how interesting that uh, not to put words in your mouth, but there's a definite gap in your training or in the world of general psychiatry. That there's nothing that approaches what, what we're talking about here in the world of the dead bedroom fixed dad starting over the fraternity or anything else. You, you've never even touched on anything like it in your training or in all of your classroom work, seminars, whatever it may be. I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit on the fringe, um, there are some mainstream thinkers that kind of want to kind of go back to the classical way things have been, you know, a man needs to be a man, we need to raise our boys as, as boys, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I've read the No More Mr. Nice Guy, who I found through your work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's a, he's a psychologist, I believe. Yeah, Dr. Um, Glover, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would maybe in the world of media, he might be considered maybe not mainstream, but I mean, I read his book. It's pretty straightforward stuff, good, um, good. but it's definitely not the predominant thing that's out there. That's for sure. I've also been uh, compared somewhat to um, Esther Perel. I've read her stuff at all, but I believe she's a psychologist. I could be wrong, but anyway, is she, what, what does she write? Uh, Mating in Captivity. That's the, okay, book. That's, that the book. that's the book that, that a lot of guys say there has some of what the, it's in the dead bedroom fixes in there basically. And I've read it. It's very well done. She's an excellent writer. Um, but her book is kind of the female perspective on uh, why is it that when you enter into a, a long-term monogamous relationship that the spark goes away basically in a nutshell and she, right. ex she explores that. So it's very good. I always recommend that to a lot of guys to read. It gives them that the female perspective, if you will, it's a little bit more, um, oh, it's funny not to go off on a tangent, but it's what, what guys tell me they like the dead bedroom fix is because it gets to the damn point. Like it's yeah. not, it's not this 400 page thing of like, okay, and let me go back and where did he say this? It's like, no, it's a relatively short read. You can get it done in a few hours and uh, 
great. Now I have a plan done. Well, if it's a book that's for women, it's much more softer in approach and it's much more, let's get down and talk about the feelings of this, how this makes you feel. This does, if this makes you feel good, great. If it makes you feel bad, Hey, that's great too. And it's, there's a lot of that mixed in throughout a lot of writers like Esther Perel. So uh, it's kind of a turnoff for some guys, but I see the need gotcha. for it. Yeah. So, um, but go on. So you had your own issues, a lot of reading. Uh, what were some of the issues that you had that led you to seeking out help? Yeah. I mean, I think um, being a psychiatrist who's actually also done my own analysis where I went and laid down on the couch, I've, I've got a lot of you know, I've worked through a lot of stuff from my background and just some of the themes that I've seen in your book and in No More Mr. Mm -hmm. Nice Guy. You know, I grew up in a house where my father wasn't around a lot because um, he was working. Um, my grandfather was kind of a pushover, lived down the street and the women ran the show in my yeah. family. Yeah. So, you know, my dad never sat down with me and said, hey, man, this is how you go get girls. This is how you go do this. It was kind of me just kind of figuring some things on my own and being surrounded a lot by women. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, in some of the reading of, of, of your work and the other works, it's, it's pretty obvious what that has led to in yeah. terms of, you know, the way that I handle relationships, the way I handle a relationship with my wife, um, who to her credit um, is, is very also self-aware and has been telling me this stuff for like 10 years. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Just like, Hey, you need to, you need to, you know, step up and do this. And I, I want to be courted and I want to, I want, you know, things need to be better and things need mm -hmm. to be different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and when, and when we get away from the family and go on a trip, you know, it's, it's there, the, the spark is there, but in terms of like the day-to-day, -day, um, the day-to-day -day stuff, it just could be so much better. And, yeah. you know, I've been aware of it. She's been aware of it, you know, um, to my knowledge, she's always been faithful. I've been faithful, but it, it's been, it could be better. And it's something that, you yeah. know, I've been working on and just getting no traction on uh, until I ran into your stuff. Oh, good. Excellent. So, um, do you have kids? I do. I've got three kids. I got three. twin boys who are 13 and I have an 11 year old daughter. 13, 13 and 11. Oh, the daughter's getting ready to, the puberty age is coming. Oh boy. Oh, yeah, it's coming. All right. I'll oh, tell you. <laughs> fun, fun. <laughs> Prepare yourself. You're going to have a whole new world there to, to dive into. The, the, the crazy pubertal teen girl been there, done that, but that's for a whole other discussion. But what, <laughs> what I thought one thing that was interesting in reading your story, and I don't want to give away too much of the personal detail, but your wife is uh, a Latina. And uh, do, did that often come with a cultural clash? I know in, in the Latin world, Oh, I'm trying to think of a, of a politically correct way to put it, but it, there seems to be much more of an emphasis on the machismo on the, Hey, this is men and this was what men do. So I'm not surprised to hear your wife being so blunt with that. And did you at the time kind of chalk that up as, Hey, it's just a cultural thing. It's just how it is, where she comes from. Uh, you know, I've got a, a limited experience and I don't want to paint with a broad brush, especially yeah. if there's going to be a whole different, you know, a whole bunch of people listening to this, but I'll tell you, I've seen a lot um, of our friends are Latino women and nice guys. So I think the women are very you know, dominant in that way. Yeah, they, they are. And so they both love it and are, are completely miserable and unfulfilled. So yep, there you, you go. know, mm -hmm. 
Um, but that dynamic exists quite a bit. I mean, and this is just from my own personal experience, but a lot of um, my wife's friends who are Latina are married to nice guys. But they're probably pretty vocal about, ugh, Dios mio, <laughs> this guy, you know, is it, come on, get with the yes, program. Let's uh, do this. Get uh, off your butt. Let's go. That kind of stuff. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, the more Anglo women are much more reserved in that, re in that regard. And I say this because, uh, you know, it, it's funny. My mother's from Spain. Everyone in my family, the women, same thing. I would say they're very dominant, but I got a couple of guys in my family, the uncles who give it back. And those are the ones that I would say are the happiest, most loving of the couples. And they? that's that's what I've experienced yeah. is because I've been scared to give it back. And mm -hmm. I have been more so lately. And it's gone really well. And, you know, again, I got a lot of work to do because yeah. this is trying to unbreak, you know, this unconscious operating system that's been in place my whole life and then yeah. solidified over the past 15 years of marriage. Yeah. But listen, my wife has, my wife has noticed, I'll tell you that she is, you know, you're a different guy now. Who is oh, okay. this guy? Yeah. Um, you know, are you, are you cheating on me? Are you leaving me? You know? So that, how long, how long did that, that take? How long did that take for all those uh, tests? If you want to call them, call them that come out of the, uh, come out of her. Oh, I'm still early on. This is happening this morning. <laughs> I mean, this is, I'm, I'm in it right now. But I mean, how long has it been going on for? I mean, you've been, you've oh, been doing this so, for weeks, months. Yeah. So I've been, I've been, you know, making changes since March, but to be honest, it wasn't until I joined the fraternity and started really reading the Facebook page every day Yeah. that, you know, you just get the vibe of, of where you need to be. Mm -hmm. And that just sets the tone. Like I'll read it in the morning usually. And I'll just be like, okay. And I, I'll just be in the right frame of mind. And so I would say, you know, over the past month and she would tell you, she's like, yeah, he's been different. But the last month has been like, you know, very different. Oh, interesting. So can you pick on or think of specific instances that made her say, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, so usually what will happen is, is she'll give me some attitude and then I'll give her some attitude back. And then she'll get even more upset and then I'll, I'll shut it down and apologize or like go I chase see. her around or whatever. And now it's just like, I'll give it back. And then, and then she'll be like, Oh, what's that look all about? <laughs> you know? And I'll mm -hmm. be like, that, that's it. And then I, and then she'll just get pissed off and, and leave the room and that's it. I won't chase her or anything. And then that's something I would have never done before, but you know, it's worked, you know? Yeah. And then like, yeah. So a fight like that would have ruined like a whole Saturday before. Right. Mm, and so mm -hmm. I'll go chase her and apologize and like whatever. And then she's still mad, but now it's just like, I ignore it. And 20 minutes later, I'm like, Oh, what's for dinner, you know, or whatever. And everything's fine. Wow. So it's just, it's everything's just, fine. Except sometimes she says, Hey, what's going on here? Yes. And then that'll be a different time though. Usually like not when she's upset, but she'll just, you know, this is, you know, I've, I've made some big changes. I mean, and you know, this has been one of the, the coolest things about, you know, just my personal experience with this is, is that I always thought, you know, I, again, I'm a nice guy, you know, I work hard, I take care of the family and I put my needs last, yeah. right. Which hasn't worked out well. Um, and so I always thought, well, geez, I'm going to have to end up getting divorced or something like that. If I want to, you know, do what I want to do. Right. 
And, you know, that wasn't something I was even considering doing, but in running into your work, I'm like, oh my gosh, man, I can like get all my hobbies back. And like, you know, I just noticed, you know, what do I do? I come home after work and I spend the whole time trying to figure out what she wants to do and following Mm -hmm. her around. And, and that's not good for either of us. Same thing on the weekends. You know, I just basically kind of figure out what she wants to do the weekend. And then I, I plan my whole weekend around what she wants to do. And now I'm just like, Hey, on on Sunday, I'm going to do this, just letting you know. And, you know, sometimes she says, cool. Sometimes she says, what, you know, I have this (laughs) and that to do. And I'm like, well, that's too bad. This is what I'm doing on Sunday. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's great. I got a bunch of hobbies back. I used to cycle a lot and now Mm -hmm. I've been going to this uh, cycling group uh, in the mornings and just, I I would always kind of hold myself back. Just, I, I don't, I'm sure there's so many different reasons for it, but now it's like, I'm, really kind of becoming the person that I thought I would become if we ever separated now, which ironically and paradoxically may end up making the marriage better. It's I just, love a, it. it's, I a, love it. it's yes. a total, you know, it's crazy really to think about. You just, you just very succinctly put what I've been trying to get across to a lot of guys, which is okay. And I, in a roundabout way, I get to it when I talk to men towards the end of the conversation, usually, and my spiel usually goes something like this. Okay, worst case scenario, you and the wife just do not work out. After everything you do, it's done. It doesn't matter. She's gone. Well, but what does life look like without her? And a lot of men, that's a very like, now what kind of thing? Like, I would feel drained. I would feel like a lost puppy or whatever. But if you can do that exercise and say, what does life look like without her? And you go, well, that's kind of exciting. I hate to say it, but <laughs> that's, man, I'd have a lot to do and I'd have more time on my hands and I'd have this, I'd have that. And it's kind of exciting thing to do. Well, yeah, you're right. You just hit it right there. Then take that same energy and apply it within your marriage, because guess what? The irony of all ironies, that's far more attractive than a guy who's just like, what do I do now, dear? So yeah. Just, and just nailed it. Yeah. And to trust that is the hardest part. And I think you just have to let it go. And I just got to the point where I've, you know, absorbed this enough that I can't actually even go back to the way things were at this point. So it's like, you know, it's one of those things where this is either going to work out or it's not, but you start to think that Mm -hmm. actually there was some kind of, you know, to use the psychology term, a little bit of codependence in some of these relationships, I'm sure you could say, certainly mine. And you know, I'm breaking that at this point. And so what does my life look like with or without her? You know, I would say the same, you know, I got my kids, I got my job, I got my hobbies, I got my stuff and she's a part of my life. And if, you know, me living my life causes her to want to leave, then that's, that's the way it goes, I guess. You know, I mean, that sounds harsh, but that's, that's the attitude that actually seems to work to actually make things work better. And that's, Again, every time I say it, I'm like, man, that, that, is that right? But, <laughs> I, know, but I, I mean, know. and that's the the message of your stuff that's so different than what's out there. Because you, you read the stuff that's out there. It's like, you need to, you know, do these things for your wife. You need to figure out what you like. You need to surprise her with with the gifts and all that stuff. Like your your book, those four mistakes. I mean, that's just, that, well, that was my game plan. Communicate, communicate, communicate is what I hear again and again and again with no real depth behind that at all. Just, you just guys just need to talk it out and everything's fine. Like, 
Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but vast majority of the guys I talk to have been talking it out for years and nothing gets done. And it's just a lot of placating and a lot of uh, codependency. And why don't you love me? Why don't you like me? That's this, the version of the talks and it doesn't get anywhere. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? I'm going to start doing more action, being more independent and voila, it works. All that communication mumbo jumbo just goes right out the window. Yeah. I, and I, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I, you know, I was trying to think before we jumped on, like, what are, what are some of the biggest things that I've come away with this? And I think the number one thing is just stopping the talking all the yeah. time. And especially the talk, right. Yes, yes. I mean, the sex talk stuff. I mean, I've, I haven't had the talk since March and it's been such a relief for both of us. <laughs> it's just like, you know, and she'll bring it up sometimes too. Is it, Oh, it's been a little while since, since we've had sex and I'll be like, ah, oh, I guess the timing just hasn't been right. You know? And that's, we just move on. It's move just on. like before it was just like, mm-hmm. I would say, Oh really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's pretty. And then we'd have a talk that was terrible, terrible for both of us. And I mean, let's be honest for most of the guys, when they have the talk with the wife, it doesn't come from a place of strength. You know, there is a version of the talk, which does come from a place of strength. And I kind of guide guys on that, which is a good form of communication. And it's a, comes from a place of leadership. Um, but the version of the talk that a lot of guys have is one that is, is um, centered in anxiety because they're, they're, they're ruminating and their anxiety is at a boiling point, And they're basically going to mommy to say, can you please soothe this anxiety? Tell me the things I want to hear. Help, help alleviate these feelings that I have. I feel terrible. And I, I can't hold it in much longer. Here we go. And they vomit all over the wife. Not, not literally emotionally vomit all over the <laughs> wife. And her reaction is one of yuck. This is, I don't like this. I'm, I'm anxious enough as it is, as a typical overworked mom and wife. And now you're just adding to that. Please stop. And now I'm yeah. even more, I'm even more turned off than I was before. And if it helps, don't look at it as just things that turn it on and turn off your wife. That goes for anybody. You know, if you sit down with your buddy, Bob, and every time you sit down with them, you're just empty and you're just like everything, you know, glasses half empty guy and everything's terrible. I hate my wife. I hate my job, blah, blah. We'll see you later. Pretty soon Bob's going to say, no, I can't meet you for beers tomorrow. Sorry. I got stuff I got to do because he dreads talking to you. Same thing with your coworkers, your clients, your whatever. So of course that applies to your wife. But I, I think a lot of guys look at the wife as kind of a surrogate mom in that way. You know, she'll be there to hold my hand and soothe me when it comes to these feelings that I have. Sorry, that's not the case. Absolutely. And, you know, we went to a few sessions of marriage counseling with a very good counselor in town, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. And he and and this stuff came up in the, the, you know, the talk, the sex talk. And it's just like that reading your stuff just completely changed my mentality on that, where it's like it, it, it was just complaining before, like, hey, why aren't we having more? sex you should be wanting to have sex more often you know (laughs) and like and now it's like well we're not having sex you know that's probably because i'm doing things that are not you know causing her to be attracted to me and like what a different mentality and so i've always been someone who's exercised and been in shape but now i'm like i've got a different fire under that i'm like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well until this changes obviously i'm not working out enough so i need to keep kind of keep it going yeah. Um, so it's just, and it's been so much more fun. Like I was 
I was working out the other day and I just got a feeling I haven't had since I was like a 16 year old in high school. I just felt like, you know, this is great. I got the whole world by the balls and it's just like, you know, it's really cool. It's just a complete mentality change. Excellent. Excellent. Now, but you're kind of riding this wave right now of this positive energy, which a lot of guys feel, which is kind of like a reborn. I'm looking at things with a new light and this is very interesting and it's cool and it's fun. But as you know, life is eventually going to hit you upside the head and say, not so fast, mister. And there's going to come some, what I call the holy shit moments. And it could be some major testing from the wife, uh, some job related thing, who knows? Um, do you have a good track record for when those moments happen for coping with them? Yeah. Yes. Decent. Um, for sure. Um, I, I, you know, I wanted to make very sure at the beginning to remind you and everyone else that I'm just starting with this. So I think I've got a lot of work to do in terms of the relationship with my wife, the other stuff. Yeah. I, I tend to handle stress pretty well. Like I've been through a lot. My father passed away when I was young. I mean, I got testicular cancer two years ago. Oh my goodness. I'm a little old for that. I'm a little on the older side. Yeah. Um, um, in my forties, which is kind of unusual. Those happening more often now, but like I got diagnosed and I was like, all right, cut that shit out and I'm getting back to work in a week. And like, and you know, I even forget sometimes, you know, I do, I do my follow-up appointments. I do, you know, my CT scans and everything like that. And I'm in remission. They caught it early. It's good. But like, I was just like, yep, let's go. You know? So I, I tend to handle things pretty well, but I have a lot of work to do in terms of the way that I relate, you know, to, to my wife. I, and, and that's, you know, why I'm going to keep getting the coaching and, and I kind of feel like I'm just starting out on the, on that road for sure. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, you have literally decades of programming in your system that says act in this way when X happens, do Y. And you're basically over the course of just these weeks or months are saying, all right, programming, we're going to rewrite you. And yeah, that takes a lot of work. Because sometimes those reactions are completely this innate knee jerk. Wife says this, I always do this. Oh, shoot. I just I forgot to catch myself. Why did I do that? You'll have a lot of those little moments like, man, I should have said this instead. Darn it. Well, next time. Um, at the same time, for a lot of guys that are very anxious in nature, which you don't come across as a very anxious person, is uh, my book has kind of armed them with a whole new set of things to be anxious about. <laughs> did, I, did, did I, did I say this right? Do I do this? Do I do that? Do, do I still make her her cup of coffee in the morning? Do I still say, I love you when I leave for work? Is that a masculine thing to do or isn't it? Is that attractive or is it not? And so it, some, for some men, it just introduces a whole level of problems and they need to address that underlying anxiety first or that programming that they've had since early age. And I can't tell you that this is a whole other topic of conversation. And as a psychiatrist, you may be able to shed more light on it than what I can. But um, I'm the vast, vast, vast majority of guys that I talk to one-on-one have an absent father figure. And father died at a young age. Dad was just not around because he was in the military overseas. Mom and dad had a horrible divorce. Dad went and started a new family, whatever it may be. I don't know what the mechanism is in place there that says, you know, when you, when you put, put it in programming terms, if dad equals null, then introduce all of these, this cascading problems with relationships in the future. I mean, I've seen it again and again and again. It's your, your stereotypical codependent, nice guy. Daddy probably wasn't around. 
what do you think's going on there? Yeah. I mean, so I, I think you a lot of your work addresses this. It's that basically, you know, you're not having someone to kind of teach you the way that it's supposed to be done. And so you end up kind of reacting to especially the women that are around. And mm-hmm. so, you know, this isn't a very politically correct thing to say, but I mean, I think that, you know, there, there is a tendency for guys not to hang out as much as they, as they used to. And, you know, sure. one of the, one of the things I've gotten the most out of from all the stuff that you're doing is that, that fraternity and the um, Facebook group, because you can really read, even if you don't interact as much or post as much, just seeing the other guys and the way they interact, really, you can pick up on a whole different way of being versus being around, you know, women interacting all the time, which is if you, it's a whole different way of, of being. And I had that nice guy thing where I would avoid hanging out with men. And just in the last few months, I've been doing a lot more stuff being around men more and it's been so enjoyable and so that is the thing that I have to work on the most. And I feel like touching base with that Facebook group frequently and looking for opportunities to hang out with guys more mm-hmm. is really the thing that's going to help me the most. But I, I think that that's the biggest. And really, I've been really worried about this ever since. I mean, I've got two boys, right, who are 13 now. And my yeah. dad, again, never sat down with me and told me anything. And so, you know, I want it to be different for my boys, but I have nothing to pull from to make it so. And so that's something I've, I've been working with Jack on is trying to kind of like change the way that that dynamic is so that they don't fall into the same pattern where they have a father who never talked to them about anything important. Yeah. Um, and so they grow up to be nice guys too. Um, and there's nothing wrong with being, you know, it, it, I'm sure that all your listeners know this at this point, but it's just nothing wrong with, there's a difference between being considerate and being a good person mm-hmm. and being a pushover. Yes. And that's the biggest thing to me is and that the, the point of that no more Mr. Nice Guy book is is that you're you're not getting your needs met in a healthy way. And so you end up trying to get your needs met in a way that's distorted and comes off, you know, and messes up your relationships. Exactly. The concept of boundaries is one that we need to hammer into kids' heads at a very early age. It, it's yeah. in a lot of different ways. You know, you can, you can look at the term boundaries and apply it in a myriad of different ways, but that is just something that if you don't have a, that paternal figure in your life and you're always hanging around the ladies, the ladies tend to have fewer boundaries than what the men have. They're much more open about personal details with each other, um, insulting to one another. You know, when one of them leaves the room, the three other ones that are left all insult the one that leaves. It's just, it's a very unhealthy, boundaryless, for lack of a better term, toxic environment at times, especially to a man who's, who's trying to find his way in life. He's like, well, I guess this, this is just how people behave. I got to walk around eggshells around women. I have to treat them like delicate creatures or else they fly off the handle like this and so forth. And, and you're right. When you have that masculine energy, if you want to call it that, and it doesn't have to be two guys sitting with beers, you know, crying, talking about all that ails them in life. It could just be just being around guys talking about who knows what. And when you leave that environment after a couple hours, just hanging around dudes, I don't know what it is, but you just feel better. You just feel more complete. Like, huh, you just have a, you know, a, a different walk about you after that. And if you're the type of guy that it's, I'm anxious and I feel insecure and being around men is very intimidating to me. Women are far less intimidating because, Hey, I was raised by my mom and my sisters. And so I'm going to seek out 
women. If I go to a party, I'm going to be next to a woman and talk to her. I'm going to avoid the other guys at the party. Uh, you're setting yourself up for all kinds of trouble there, aren't you? And you got to be, um, you got to get over that hurdle and be more confident and approach those men at the party, go out and meet with your buddies. And what those guys have told me invariably 100% of the time is, man, I'm so glad I did that. Uh, I even had one guy who told me um, I took a baby step of uh, approaching some big muscular dude at the gym, smiling at him and he smiled back. And I couldn't believe it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. Welcome to being one of the dudes, you know? Yeah. But you, and that's the thing about the psychological programming is, is that you're just completely unaware of it. And so when you read something like what, what you have out there and you start becoming aware of it, you just see it all over the place. And like, now that I'm aware of it, I've been consciously trying to interact with guys more and it's just such a different experience and it's, it's great. And it, it was something that if you had, if you had said to me a year ago, Hey, you know, do you feel anxious around guys or go up to, I would have said, no, I'm fine with guys. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It it just was something that I wasn't even aware I was missing out on is, you know, I, you know, it's funny because over the past 10 years, my, my wife is actually a pretty psychologically healthy person. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, she has friends and she goes, hangs out and she does stuff. And, you know, she would always be like, why don't you go hang out with, with your friends? And like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, right. I can't do that. I have to follow you around this weekend. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't have to, I don't have time for that. I got to like make you happy so that we may have sex one day. So, oh, wow. yeah. you know, yeah, it's just like, it was a classic stuff. So mm-hmm, it's just, mm-hmm. and, and now I have, I just ha- have a good feeling that with changes, things are going to get, you know, a lot better. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, 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 you know, whatever happens it's so funny because i've heard people say this you know in the facebook group and on your podcast and stuff it's just you know you come to the book because of this one problem and you just realize that it's a whole like lifestyle change that you can make and you're going to be so much happier yeah the little um, the little thing of the so. dead the little thing of the dead bedroom is symptomatic of a bigger it's problem a symptom yeah. yeah absolutely now uh i don't know how much personal information you want to give out the ages of you and your wife yeah. So that's an interesting story. She's, she's older than me. Mm-hmm. So she's actually eight years older than me and I'm in my forties and she mm-hmm. just turned um, 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you I know, have to say, let, let me just stop you there just to paint a picture for the group. I actually, every time I talk to a guy, I always do a little spying on their public Facebook page. So I checked you guys out and she's a stunning woman. And I would never she in a million, is. I would never in a million years think that the woman was 50. Not that there's anything wrong with being 50, but no, I would have guessed, I don't know, 38, 39, something like that. Yeah. And so it's a funny story. We actually met um, doing uh, uh, bike racing stuff. And hmm. when I met her, she said, oh, I just graduated from college. And um, I was like, oh, no, I can't date a younger woman. I just finished <laughs> medical school. And I'm like, I'm not getting involved with a younger woman right now. I got too much on my plate you know, I can't deal with the drama. I want someone who's got their stuff together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went out, uh, I, I, so I wasn't going to ask her out. And then, you know, we ended up hanging out a little bit more and I found, Oh, she had graduated from a professional school. So she must be the same age as me. So we went out a little while and then we found out our ages and we're like, Oh God, you know, this isn't going to work. This, <laughs> you know, And so we broke up a few times, but then, you know, we enjoyed each other's company and, you know, that, that we very much attracted to each other. So we ended up just staying together and getting married and, you know, like you say, it's not 
something that comes up a whole lot because she actually looks, I've got a little gray hair now. She actually looks younger than me Mm -hmm. for the most part. So, you know, it hasn't been a huge issue for us. So good genes there. So good job. And not to get too personal, but uh, menopause, has that entered the picture? Uh, No. So coming soon, I would assume. I don't know if she's in the, yes. what they call the perimenopause stage, but uh, for a lot of, especially a lot of uh, Americans that I talk to, their their wives hit it like early 40s. I'm hearing a lot, uh, which is kind of surprising. Uh, when that comes, has she talked about that? Yeah, she's looking forward to it because she doesn't want to have the, the, the not to get too graphic for the listeners. She, she wants doctor, the, peri- you know? the, peri- the she, periods she, to be she, over. She wants the menstrual cycles to stop. That, that's what yeah, all women say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's again, psychologically very healthy with sex, everything like that. So I don't, I don't, well, you know, who I, knows what's going to happen, but I was going to say, but as a medical doctor, you know, that's a huge turning point for a lot of women physically, mentally. And are you prepared for a wife who says, you know, that, that, that chapter in my life, the sexual stuff, that, that's kind of over now. And mother, mother nature has told me it's over and I'm cool with just riding that wave into the grandma world. And for some guys, it's like, oh shit, this is terrible. That's, uh, what do I do now? Well, some guys, that's like, hey, not. That's not going to float with you. <laughs> that's not my wife. My wife. Okay, good. I'm pretty sure wants to have sex until she's 110. She's. Well, I mean, she's it, a very. Yeah, yeah, but it's not up to her. Sometimes it's up to the the hormones and the brain and everything else working in concert together. Um, Absolutely. I've, yeah, I've talked to women who say, um, as soon as that happened, the hot flashes and everything else, and they went to full blown menopause. Um, they just, the, the literal idea of doing anything physical like that kind of repulsed them. And I've talked to women who have successfully gone to the doctor and said, I would like to go on some hormone treatment. And they were a new woman after that. And that really opened their eyes to just how much the hormones play a role in all of that. Uh, Estrogen, testosterone, your thyroid, everything else all works in concert together, as you know, and man, you get those things all dialed in together, which just naturally happens when you're a fertile young person. But when you switch all that back on later in life. You're like, Oh yeah, this is how it was. I see. Cool. And I speak from experience as a testosterone patient. So just something to keep in mind. You never know the hot flashes and everything else may start here soon. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'll, I'll file that one away because you're right. I'm, I'm a psychiatrist. So we actually check, check testosterone on all of our patients, all our male patients, because Anyone with a testosterone, anyone who's suffering from, you know, depression, anxiety, other mental health stuff, who's got a testosterone less than 300 needs to be looking at that. Um, Bingo. It plays a big part in things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love hearing that because I, you may very well know, I can't tell you how many doctors say testosterone test. Why would I do that? Here's, here's some Zoloft. Here's some Prozac. Yeah. Just go away. Oh, you have problems in the bedroom. Here's some Viagra, Cialis. Just, no, I'm not going to mess with your hormones. That's no, why would I do that? Get out of here. I mean, literally. So to hear you go, you know, let's check that out first thing. Awesome. Great. You're ahead of the pack, yeah. it seems. So that's good. Yeah. Um, so what do you have as a goal for yourself over the next months, years? Where do you see this going? In terms of, of this work? Yeah. The work on your marriage or on yourself. Do you have an end goal where you can finally go, I made it? Or do you not want to say that because you don't want to risk getting comfortable again? Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I think the easiest answer to that is that I was waiting for everything to be okay with, you know, my, I mean, we still got relatively young kids, you know, we're still kind of in that stage where things are pretty chaotic. 
And I was waiting for everything to really be in a good place with my marriage and with the kids and the family in order for me to start, you know, living my, my best life. And now my goal is to live my best life. And that is going to take care of the rest. So, you know, I feel like I just have the long-term goal to, to kind of become the, the best version of myself that I can. And I've been thinking about that for years and now I'm just trying to implement that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you're going to have some big milestones, some big turning points, you know, professionally within the marriage, everything. It, I mean, things could get to a level that you never even conceived of um, in a good way. So I, so whenever I hear guys say, if, if I can get to the point where we're having sex twice a week, then I'm good. It's like, all right, you know, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure, which is, yeah, hey, I, I made it. Let me put my feet up. It's like, it's, it, with anything in life, the second you put your feet up and get comfortable, life has a way of saying, ha ha, gotcha, sucker. And exactly. then you're, then you're back to where you were before. And you're like, God damn it. What happened? It's like, yeah, you put your feet up. You got comfortable. You stop doing the work every single day on yourself. And that's why all these things are suffering, including the, the sex life with the wife, it's just the way it is. So good to hear you say, Hey, I'm, I'm just in the mode of being the best me possible and keep that, keep that wave going, ride that wave. And it's a, an analogy that I'm using lately in a lot of my talks is riding the wave. A lot of guys that are very over anxious about this stuff, think themselves out of it, talk mm -hmm. them, talk themselves out of it. Um, I've heard of some very, uh, uh, hypersexual erotic moments between the husband and wife. And he's so taken aback by it because it's such a dramatic shift in where they've been for years that he literally talks his way out of it. Like, well, what's going on? Are, are you sure this is okay? Um, <laughs> do, do you want me, do you want me, can I put my hand here? Can I put my hand there? Is this okay? Is that okay? Um, we have, should we talk about this first? And the wife just, <sighs> can you just shut up and just go with it? And he tells me the moment and I say, yeah, same thing. Can you just shut up and go with it? <laughs> this is, this is not the time for analysis. This is not the time for, is this the macho thing to do or not? You know, just enjoy yourself, ride the wave, have fun. Think about it later if you must, but just enjoy life. Go with the flow. If you have one of those loving, sexy moments, don't overthink things. That's just, that's a good way to good way to squash things immediately. It all comes back to again and again and again. I just have a lot of guys that have a very difficult time and they're very anxious and that just colors everything in the relationship. And again, it all starts with those guys and the absent father figure. And sometimes that's combined with a toxic mother figure in their life. I've heard a lot of narcissistic moms and a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of inappropriate relationships not in a sexual way, but in an emotional way between the son, usually the oldest son and the mom, um, where they have yep. that, where they have that term emotional incest, where he becomes like the surrogate dad and she just empties everything on him. And she, and she manages to sprinkle in a lot of, Hey, don't be like your dad. Oh, you're just like your father. Uh, don't do that. If you ever end up like your father, I'm going to kill you. That kind of thing. And hell the guy tells me stories. I'm like, well, hell, no wonder you got problems in your marriage now. That's some bad programming to start out with. Yeah. And that's the tough thing, you know, working in mental health. I mean, I know how hard it is to change these patterns. And so, you know, when you ask me what my goal is, it's like, it's like someone who's recovering from an addiction because really at the core of a lot of addiction is just, you know, you mentioned that something makes you anxious and how do you handle that anxiety? How do you handle the uncertainty? Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, with these patterns, you handle it by overthinking, over talking you know, trying to like be super nice, 
And, you know, how are you going to break that over the long term? That's, that's why I think what, what you're doing is so cool having um, an outlet where you can stay connected to this stuff um, on a, on a level that it can actually kind of on a daily basis inform what you're doing, because that, that's the, that's the place that I got to before is that I read the book and I'd remember it, but it was all, it was all intellectual. Um, and so how do you pick up like the vibe of this? You know, yes. how do you, how do you implement it? How do you, how do you do it naturally without having to think about it all the time? Um, and so that's really the, the trick. Yep. And I think some of the things we talked about, like hanging out with guys more is important, finding hobbies, certainly working out is a really good outlet to deal with your anxiety and it makes you feel a lot better. Absolutely. Um, so that's, I, that's really the trick to me, knowing how hard it is really to make change, to make a real change is not easy. No, no. And, and a lot of guys, a term I use often when talking to guys is you got to give yourself a break. Dude, you've been this way for years. You've had this relationship for years. You're not going to turn this around in weeks and months. It's going to take a while. And you had one little slip up last night in, a, in an anxious fit. Hey, give yourself a break. It's understandable. Dude, move on. It didn't happen. Move on. Um, right. And you hit on a good point there about um, working with other men and being around other men and just getting that vibe and that energy. I mean, anybody who's done anything such as oh, at playing guitar, you can go on YouTube and watch lesson after lesson and actually be technically proficient at a guitar, but you're just not quite there. And it's not until you play with others and play in a band and you have those interpersonal dynamics and you play off of each other and you understand timing and you understand when to do this, when to play a solo, when to play rhythm, when to back off, when it's too many notes, when it's not enough and volume, that's when you become a guitar player. And yeah. Same thing with anything. You can be a basketball player who plays out in your driveway day in and day out and shooting a thousand shots a day. It's not until you actually play in a five on five game every day, all day that you actually get good at being a basketball player. Same thing with being a dude and trying to overcome these hard coded anxieties and programming that you have in there. It's, it's one thing to read my book. Thank you for doing that. But you got to take the next step, dude. And you could read a thousand books too. It's still not enough you still haven't erased that programming. You've just been aware that there's different programming out there. And that's, that's a good step, but you got to take action and you got to do something. And that's something more often than not means get with other guys and see what they're doing. Pick up on that energy, learn from them, their day-to-day -day mistakes, their wins. That's what takes you to the next level. And that's what I hear from you. That's my personal experience and pretty much the experience of every guy I've talked to in this whole DSO world. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, doctor, any parting words before we wrap it up? No, I mean, I just want to say thanks for the work that, that you're doing because I, you know, I, it's taken me to a place that I didn't even realize that I wanted to go. Um, and so I think it's, it's, it's important and I'm glad it's out there and I'm glad that a lot of people are, are, are finding it. Well, thank you. I appreciate you and uh, all that you do helping men out there. I appreciate that a great deal being part of the group. We need more guys like you in it and uh, always wonderful to talk to um, a legitimate medical professional who knows what the <laughs> heck he's, he's talking about. I love it. And uh, I could talk to guys like you all day long. So Nick, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate your time and uh, keep in touch. Let me know how it goes and we'll see you on the group. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts 
YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood. But none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.